I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, you're going to find a new friend. (laughs) Oh gosh, I'm like, I get so excited to share these people with you. She connected with me and she has a podcast. And so I started listening to her podcast and I'm like, okay, we speak the same language and just a beautiful soul. And I couldn't say no. It was like, she was the next person I wanted you to meet. You'll understand it when you hear our interview because even when we pushed stop after we recorded, we were both like, oh, that was so good. (laughs) And it was so good. And sometimes I get surprised and I, I, you know, I don't have expectations, but, you know, I do want to share the most magic as I possibly can with you, with my guests. And when it feels like that, when I pushed stop, it was so amazing. So I know you're going to love her. Her name is Nicole Frolic. And I've met so many guests and I say like, they become my friends and I feel like, it was even just the the retreat coming up. You know, I call people to that I've interviewed, you know, just for an hour. And they were like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, gosh, what a blessing to have this podcast so I can connect with these beautiful, beautiful people to share with you. And Nicole, for me, opened my eyes to deeper understanding and awareness and let me read her bio for you so you can understand before I go deeper <laughs> into why I think you're going to love her. So, Nicole Frolic is a practical mystic experienced in intuitive life coaching, inner child healing, and the reclamation of one's secret self that uncovers the hidden and yet most valuable strengths, talents, and untapped purpose of the soul. With over 25 years of experience in the realm of healing, the mind, body, and soul connections, Nicole acts as a surrogate siren that co-captains your soul through a deep psychic descent into the uncharted waters of the unconscious mind. Using ceremonial and intuitive methods through unique meditative experiences, she guides her clients through the shadows of of their pain so they may rebirth themselves and emerge as their most authentic self on the greatest path to their destiny. She is a host of Enlighten Up, a weekly podcast, founder of The Forbidden Journey, a premium coaching program, 
has produced over 40 guided meditations and offers a variety of online courses through her Alchemy Academy, designed to help you deepen your intuitive abilities, heal your inner child, harmonize your masculine and feminine energies, and advance your growth from linear development into quantum leaps that are logarithmic in nature. You know, when you think you meet these little souls that are, we're all connecting the dots. We're all on this journey together. And when I met Nicole, I knew that she was uh, one of those dots I was connecting. But yeah, I know you'll really enjoy her and start listening to her podcast. Maybe do one of her courses. Yeah, she's uh, just beautiful. So on another note, my Monday calls are going strong. So uh, if you want to come on, just feel free to email me so I can give you the Zoom link. Everyone is welcome. Invite your friends. The more, the merrier. We just, in fact, I was, I had talked to Nicole about maybe coming on one time. That was kind of when I started um, getting excited to bring guests on that I uh, interview onto our live call. So we will start doing that. And whatever we end up talking about, it's just a magical hour of being connected to like-minded people. And I know that it's going to lead somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm just going to keep following my breadcrumbs and connecting the dots because I love it so much. And I love everyone that connects with me. So keep connecting. <laughs> and then with the with our retreat in January, that's leading somewhere too. And it is full and I am more grateful than you could even imagine because it's a like the proof of when you set your mind to something, put an intention out there and then watch it all come together so easily. You know, it's meant to be. So yes, if you want to get on the wait list, because I'm sure, you know, people cancel or whatever, please connect with me. Um, and if not, connect with me anyway so I can put your name on the list because I know we will have another one. And I just see it building and building and it's so exciting. And then we're getting into the holidays and I can't believe it already. And when I start looking at the year ahead and seeing my all the guests in my queue right now for January and February, that's already booked up and it gets me excited. And I'm just learning and growing. And I love to share podcasts that I get so excited about. So if you want me to, if you want to be on my list when I'm listening to a podcast and you want me to share them with you because I get so excited and then I end up asking them to be on the show. And then I get more excited because they say yes now because of all of you who have shared this podcast with and subscribed and done all the things that allow me to get these guests to say yes then please connect with me and I will add you to my my uh, podcast share list. Anyway, I just want to build a community. And I know the ones that you are to in my community now, I, you see why. And it's just so beautiful, magical, all the words. But again, thank you, thank you. And I know you're going to love Nicole Frolic. So without further ado, let's bring on Nicole to the show. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're so welcome. I've like, before I pushed record, I told you how much fun I've had learning about you, your story. And I know you have a podcast and you interview people and, you know, I'm not as I'm almost at to my fourth year, but 
you know, as you go and you start to meet guests and go down their rabbit holes and I'm at the place in my life with where I'm with, with you is what pulls me in my life that I either resonate with, I feel parallel to what I'm going through now as a mother with two teenage girls. When you were a teenager, when I was like, I, I start to relate to you. And there's so many aspects of you that I could go down. I mean, it was like, oh, inner child. Oh, I mean, star seeds, the re- dating. I mean, there was all these different avenues that we could probably do five episodes easy with each of your, <laughs> where all of the, the things that you have discovered in your life. But the thing that I love about you is that you've, what you teach or what you talk about is because you've experienced it and you've learned from that. And why I reflect that with my children, because Paige is 17, she's a senior and Presley's a freshman, she's 14. And I looked at your childhood and listened. And then I started picturing my childhood with what my mom and dad for me, because I was trying to relate to your experience and what you took along your travels with your your life, your breadcrumbs as you went into the world because yeah. of your childhood. And I'm an older parent. So I I didn't have Paige till I was 37 and Presley when I was 40. So I had those years ahead of me or before them that I really knew I'm going to be so intentional. I'm going to be super, you know, I'm going to plant the seeds. I'm going to program them <laughs> as the best I can as a mom, you know, and like how we grew up, you know, our parents didn't have that. Like, I mean, some did, but mine didn't. And we figured out how to do our stuff and get there and go to college. I'm laughing at Paige because I'm thinking, I just figured out how to sign a, an application. My mom didn't tell me how to do it. And I just got into a college and they drove me there and dropped me off. It, there was no, for me and how I am, it was like, wow, I just figured it out. But I wanted to, with you, Nicole, to where I want to start, I guess, is my point is I'd love to go into the inner child because I think that's part when I think of Nicole Frolic, I think first thing that comes to me is inner child work. But go back to why that really was, that's kind of, I look at you as a, that's a theme in your, when you talk, go back to maybe when you were growing up with your dad and that influence and, you know, what the things that you discovered about being raised by your mom and dad and what you experienced as a teenager with the natural path and kind of going there. Is that an okay place to start? Yeah, Sure. I mean, my dad, he's a very funny man. He raised me to be able, like you, just to figure things out, you know, do them on your own. And he always kind of just threw me into the fire. He's like, you just, you'll figure it out. And I remember even when I was 16 and he was teaching me how to drive. Actually, no, it wasn't when I was 16. I mean, he did teach me how to drive and it was still even then a little terrifying because. <laughs> <laughs> He has a low patient tolerance and much like I do too, I've taken that on from him and it's something I'm always working on. But when I was, I want to say 21, 22, somewhere around there, I got my own car, like a brand new car, and I wanted it to be standard. And so I wanted to actually learn how to manually drive. And so we picked the car up from the dealership and he's like, all right. And at the time I was living in Toronto, Canada, big city, and it was 
four o'clock in the afternoon, which is the height of like rush hour traffic. Everyone's wanting to get home. And he's like, okay, we're going to learn. So he starts me off in this kind of little side street that he's kind of teaching me how to use the clutch and all that, how to shift gears. He's like, all right, let's go into traffic. And I said, what do you mean? It's only been 15 minutes. And of course, my father's method is just... If I yell at her enough, she'll figure it out. (laughs) And so I was always under the stress of, I learned how to figure things out in stressful situations. And sure enough, he asked me to turn into a street that is going into a valley and then up a hill. And (laughs) as I go down this valley and up the hill, the traffic stops and he wants me to make a left-hand turn. And I'm like, of course, if you, anyone who's out there has ever driven standard before, you know that when you're on a hill, like you can right. easily stall out the car. And so, of course, I stalled it out on the hill and he's just yelling at me and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I've got all these people around. And of course, I'm a people pleaser. And so I don't want to make anyone mad. I don't want to cause problems to other people's environment. And so I've got all the stress of what I think other people around me are thinking and in the, uh, on the road. And so, Eventually, though, I figured it out. And soon he's like, all right, you're good. You can go off to go see your boyfriend now and just drive home later tonight. <laughs> so that was literally how he taught me how to drive. Literally in a matter of 30 minutes, I figured it out. But even as I say that to you, it's really dawning on me how much I learned to live and thrive in chaotic situations. And having that amount of stress coming at me, I actually realized like I won't push myself to get something done until it's almost like the very end, you know, like mm-hmm. until I'm under fire. And I actually work really well under the gun, but that's not exactly healthy or how I want to always the state. Um, I think my nervous system wants to be in all the time. Okay. <laughs> and so my dad, he was difficult. We had a very up and down relationship. I love him dearly. Him and I have a great relationship right now. But it was hard because we're so alike. And my mother used to say that all the time because you're just like your father. And I would test his patience all the time. I'm pretty sure most of his, never mind gray hair, lack of hair is due to many of the things I put him through. But it's because I always challenged authority and I always challenged the masculine authority. And so I think my father, he gave me a lot of good skills and he gave me a really good work ethic. He gave me a ability to learn how to be very independent. But I also learned through him that I couldn't lean on other people because if I leaned on someone, I'd get yelled at. If I leaned on somebody, it's like, it's just all of a sudden I get, sh- I don't want to say I was shamed, but in a way I was because I felt bad for being yelled at. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things caused me to really learn to just trust myself and no one else. And so learning how to just figure things out on my own, like you were saying you did, you know, when you went to school, like same, I had the same situation. Like my parents weren't part of the conversation at all, you know, right. like they just, assumed that I was going to choose 
a really good school and that I would get in. I was always a straight A student. I was always t- one of the top athletes in my school uh, on almost every sports team. And so I guess my parents never had to worry about me. But at the same time, because they never had to worry about me, I also never got any attention that was nurturing to the things where I maybe needed them. I don't know. Did you have a similar oh my experience? Gosh, totally. You know, listening to you going, gosh, the under pressure, that's when I can perform. I got to be under pressure. There's got to be a deadline. And, you know, with my dad, I have a different, there's, I'm the oldest of three girls. And I was always like the team captain, like you were that always in the sports, you know, always like people pleaser, made sure I was friends with all my teachers. And if something went wrong and I was like wrecked for like months, cause I, if I disappointed anybody, but you know, when I think of your story and how I relate to it and even more now knowing what you just said, you know, when I look now, I want to go to like how we date. Cause I, I'm with Paige right now, who's 17. And I was dating, you know, my high school experience compared to hers is completely different mm-hmm. because I want to ask you, I know you don't have children, but because I was coming from my inner, I was fixing my inner, was I fixing my inner child by trying to navigate her by what I lacked in my childhood and those years and where I was gravitating, you know, to the boys for attention or always in my masculine Nicole always lived my life until I met Richard in my 30s in my masculine. And so I relate to that so much and trying to figure out how to be in your feminine and being a mother and nurturing, you know, that's easy for me to be, mm-hmm. you know, in that in that aspect because it just comes naturally. But explain that. What do you think that where does that when you not having kids but looking at people that, you know, have tried to figure out how to know where their wounds were? you know, and then fixing, trying to figure out how to maneuver their, my children's childhood. So they didn't have, I mean, everyone has their own path. I know we have, you believe the same thing. We've, we have a blueprint. We're here to learn our lessons and every, you know, we're these souls that connected and are going to learn from each other. But with my children, we're at the end of their childhood. You know, you wonder what their wounds are and what they're going to do dating these men. You know, it's like I come from all girls and knowing my dad and seeing the three of us dating and how we handled it all differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it can depend. Obviously, the position of in your family where you were born is going to play a role. And of course, just even to your own soul. (laughs) We all are different. Even though we come into the family and we take on certain traits of our parents, we're all going to have our own unique individual characteristics and ways that we express them. And of course, we came in wanting certain lessons through the certain dynamics of our family that we were going to experience. And I think that that's still even one of my lifetime goals is I'm hoping that I still get an opportunity to be a mother and have children. And I want that so much because I've done so much inner child work. And now I feel like I'm at a place where I can really do a good job. And of course, no one's perfect and we're all going to screw up. But like you said, being intentional with raising children, being an actual conscious parent is something I would love the opportunity to do. And I think that you know, when it comes to our own wounds, as much as we may try to do all the things that we never got, oftentimes, especially when they're 
has been not even only, but when you haven't done your own inner child work or you're still maybe newer into it and you're a parent and you have, you have children, there are a lot of unconscious patterns that you are exhibiting that you don't even realize the child is picking up on. For instance, you could be a parent who was totally ignored by your parents, much like you and I, where we just like, go do it your own, like you, you can figure it out. I don't need to watch over you. And in essence, what you do is you lack all of that nurturing. And so when you do go to have kids, you might be the helicopter parent. You might be right. the parent who wants to go in there and just be there all the time and like be completely in your kid's life and helping them make all the decisions and sometimes maybe even making the decisions for them. And it's not that one or the other is really bad. It's just there's patterns in there too that are going to affect the child. And so what they might see that you don't realize is, oh, when I have kids or not even have kids, but if you neglect your own needs as a parent by tending to every need of your child, they're going to see that, oh, mom or dad doesn't take care of themselves. Now, if it's the daughter, she may choose a partner, a man who is only going to cater to her and not to his needs. And so, and that will eventually start to create a lot of disruption in the relationship. And if it's the son, maybe he might see, oh, like this is what my role is as a man is I got to just completely give myself and not tend to my, like give all of myself and not actually have anything for me. And so there's like, there's always ways that we need to look at things differently. And being the perfect parent is impossible. It's right. absolutely impossible. But the inner child work, you do get to start to unravel some of that so that when you're operating, despite your best conscious efforts, you don't have that subconscious program in the background working against you mm-hmm. and creating behaviors and choices that end up kind of unraveling the good work that you're trying to achieve. Right. You know, I did the, I was listening to you this morning and I was walking with my dogs and I can, I'm still there because I was listening to you talk about how you, you ask your clients to work through their inner child is go to the place when you, when you can remember as a little girl for me, right? Like where you felt with your mom. Like the memories that you have, you love the forest, like you loved being out in nature. Yeah. So it was so interesting. I go so much to like, I did me, but then I go, I wonder what Paige would say. I wonder what, you know, I'm so like, you know, this mother that's so like, I wonder where she sees as, you know, the way I mothered her. You know, will you explain that, how you start with people with that? Because I I was even sharing it with my friend today and she said it was her memory was when she had, she was probably two and she had her head on her mom's chest and she could hear the vibration of her voice. And she's like, I could just, I don't know. She's like, Ashley, I've never done that before. That was so really interesting. Will you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, this is one thing that is really difficult for many people to grasp when they start their inner child healing is to understand that how the child experiences it is very different from the adult version of what that experience is. Whether it's the adult version of the actual parent or the adult version of you remembering your inner child experience. And so oftentimes a child can experience something and have all of this pain and be very upset with the parent 
for whatever it may have been and how that child experienced it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the parent was wrong all the time. Sometimes what can happen is it's just there was a lack of understanding. I mean, as a child, you don't have a conscious mind in developing until the age of seven. And so everything is subconscious. Everything's a program. Everything's just absorbed. Like you're a sponge. You're absorbing everyone else's stuff and you don't even really know how to really utilize and break down everything in a conscious manner. And so when you're remembering your inner child experiences, what I'll often have to help clients remember is that one, this is not about demonizing your parents. It's about remembering the version of the story that you as a child experience. Now, in that version, you may be really angry at your parents and, and, and they may have done something wrong. They may have not. You know, it, that's not really the point I'm trying to make here right now. It's about understanding that you have to honor the experience of the child, every emotion, every belief, every thought form that came up before you can get to the point of rationalization and understanding where there can be healing in forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for your parents, whatever it may be. And so that's why I say like, despite your best efforts, you can't control how your child chooses to experience something between you and them. And it's important that each person is validated within their own feelings. And I think this is something we can even see in in our adult relationships of learning how do we honor each person's feelings. We can't tell someone how to feel or not feel, right? right? And so one, it's really important that when you do go back and you remember that It's okay to go there and get in as dark as you need to in how you remember the experience, despite the part of you that doesn't want to demonize your parents, because it's not. It's just about first honoring the actual experience that you had as the child. And then we can start pulling in the adult versions and start to understand, and you can talk to her or him and start to heal that. Right. You, oh, there's one that you said you were doing that for your, with your inner child. And she said, is it going to be hard? Or looking back at, you know, your, your, are we okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that made me cry because I start to relate to that thinking, oh my, I could cry right now. But, you know, then I think in my life, like you were reflecting in yours, like, oh my gosh, you'd look back and think, gosh, all those times that you, you know, did something wrong or made the wrong choice, which now I, everything's perfect, right? But when you look back and go, gosh, are we going to be okay? Oh, I know. And that people who will really resonate with that are people who put a lot of pressure on themselves to excel, to be so good, to be perfect. I put so much pressure on myself because I felt like I needed to. One, I felt like my parents would love me more if I was a straight A student, if I was a top athlete. It was actually one of the only ways that I would really get their attention to to actually pay attention to me other than my two other sisters and my brother because the whole reality was, well, Nicole's got this. She knows how to handle herself. And so... 
the striving for excellence was driven by my need to not only have more love for my parents, but also maybe get their attention every now and then. But all of that pressure, you don't realize how much you're putting on yourself and you start taking on the responsibility of other people's feelings and other people's needs and you just start carrying the weight of the world. And so when she asked me, are we okay? Yeah, I broke down in tears because I realized that, well, first of all, you know, there was such a deep inherent need within me to be really good, not just good as a person, but just really good at everything. And what if I wasn't? What did my value then have? But then also in that moment with her in particular, that was before, and I didn't realize it at the time, it only was revealed to me a few years later, which is why it's so important to journal your stuff because you can go back and start putting the puzzle pieces together. But after she said that to me, she's like, do we do anything bad? Hmm. And there are moments in our childhood where if we're punished or something bad happens to us, we actually think it's a punishment because we haven't been good. And that was a result of me being sexually abused at the age of five or six and thinking that I had done something to deserve it. And that really hit my core even before I realized how much it was tied to that um, hidden trauma that really wasn't revealed to me until 41 or 42. And so the inner child's work is really beautiful because it's simple in the way that it's revealed to you. When you allow, you know it's your inner child coming through because of the simplicity in the words that they use and the way that they express themselves. It sounds the way a child would and it's so sweet and it's so endearing. And that is how you know you're really tapping in. Right. Oh, I love that. When you talk about masculine and feminine energy and living your life primarily in masculine because of the things we just spoke about and how I can relate to that. Explain how you started, there is a pivot in your life where you started to realize like, you know, I've got to figure out how to get to this, the feminine energy and live there and wake that aspect of myself up. The way I actually discovered that was when I was 31 and decided to quit my job and take a one and a half year sabbatical to just like backpack by myself. (laughs) I love that so much. Um... And it's funny because I had kind of started to lean into my feminine energy without me really realizing it. I had, you know, growing up in Toronto, Canada, it's big city. It's kind of like our New York in Canada. And I was just, I was part of the grind, you know, part of the hustle. I was working, sometimes I'd work three jobs, my full, my, you know, just whatever I could to make money to buy my first property, you know, like it was just, you're so ingrained in the hustle. And of course, I played as hard as I worked. And so I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. And one day I just decided, I want to relax a little. I just, I think I need to get out of the city lifestyle. I, and I've always been someone who knew that I wasn't going to wait until my retirement to live my life. I knew that I always wanted to live my life 
now, in the now moment. And so there was opportunities to really do the things that most people would wait until, you know, they were able to start knocking things off their bucket list. I wanted to do them right away. And one of them was I wanted to live on a Caribbean island. <laughs> and so yeah. I had moved down to the Caribbean island. And while I was there working, I started to slow down. And I started, and actually one of my girlfriends who came down to visit me just six weeks into me moving down there noticed. She said to me, you know, Nicole, you're different. And I said, what do you mean I'm different? She's like, I don't know. She goes, you're just softer. I was like, oh. And this was before I even really knew like anything about the masculine and feminine energies, truly. And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I think I have softened a little. And I think it's been really good for my soul. And I decided that it's time for me to just maybe take a break from work. Because I had been working like five or six years without a vacation. And so I quit my job and I started in Costa Rica. And um, I started with a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And I think that was the gateway to me remembering and reconnecting to my own feminine energy because I had to get really still. I had to get very quiet. I had to just be in my body. And these were all very foreign concepts to me in like how I usually live my life. Like I always loved to meditate and all of that. I would all, I could do that. But in general, my lifestyle and my speed was just so fast and always moving. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, I had a very beautiful transcendent experience where during one of the meditations, I left my body. I just became my energetic form and I experienced me as my soul, my true essence, who I really was before taking on the identity of Nicole Frolic in this body. And it was incredibly surreal. And I rem- the, the most important part of that whole experience was that I was perfect exactly as I was. I didn't need to be more. I didn't need to change this about myself. I didn't need to do anything. I was perfectly content. I actually really liked who I was in that energetic form. And so when I came back into my body, as they rang the bell to finish the meditation, it just, I realized I was back in my body. I realized exactly where I was and remembering who I am. And I just broke down into tears and I was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And the tears ultimately were because I finally returned home. I remembered who I really was. And all of this, these first 31 years of my life, I had spent trying to become something I wasn't and thinking that it wasn't good enough, that I needed to be more. And I realized I don't need that. And then I started to realize that what if I just stopped trying so hard? What if I just surrendered? What if I didn't plan everything? What if I didn't have to like be the controller of everything in my world? And so when I left that place, I promised myself as I, cause I was like, I'm not going to have a, an itinerary. I'm going to just go with the flow and I'll book my hostels as I go and I'll meet people and do all that. And that really was hard for me because I don't feel comfortable not having a schedule or a mm-hmm. plan or itinerary, but it opened me up to so many possibilities and it taught me how limiting 
my mind was when I was only in my masculine. And it's not to say that the masculine energy is limiting. We need the masculine energy in order to manifest, to focus the energy into a direction that can be created. But I started to learn how beautiful the feminine aspect was and how like not working for a year and a half. I was like, wow, I'm just, I'm not working. Who am I if I'm not producing? Like, what is my value if I'm not producing anything in this world? And of course, I was producing a lot. I actually was producing all the foundations of the work I do now and I didn't even realize it. Exactly. But yeah, that was how it all started was leaning into the flow and leaning into the unknown and the mysteries and starting to go into the darkest places and starting to learn what does it mean to actually take care of me? What does it mean to be softer? What does it mean to be nurturing to me? Like, I don't know that. Like, what's that? You know? Like, right. So yeah. So it just came to me like dating. So now I know you had dated, you had had relationships like early 20s, but how did the dating shift when you got to that place? If you look at it from a higher perspective, you're looking down at Nicole on this journey. How does that look? What were you attracting? What were, you know, like who, who were the guys that, <laughs> how has that evolved? Oh gosh. Well, keep in mind, <laughs> as I was leaning into this, there was all this very unhealed, deeply, deeply repressed sexual trauma. And so despite me starting to have making better choices, I was still attracting situations that would make me unsafe and make me fear for either my own emotional safety or even my own physical safety. It wasn't until my mid-30s that I started to really shift that and get away from that. And it started to get better. Of course, what we don't realize is that within the healing journey, it's a transition. It's not a light switch. And so there's ebbs and flows and you start to incorporate some of the really good, but then like you start to slip a little bit back into the old and then you, and it's just this constant kind of like pendulum, but eventually you find your center. And that's important for people to really understand so that they don't put too much expectations on their own progress when it comes to the healing journey, because it isn't linear. First of all, it's absolutely nonlinear and it does come in different phases and levels. And as you get stronger, some of the deeper stuff makes itself known to you because now you're strong enough to handle it. So it's ongoing, but I would say that today I can say that I'm definitely making much better choices than I used to. I certainly don't put my head in the sand when I see a red flag anymore. I'm like, oh, red flag. Okay. Like turn away, go the other direction. Right. Whereas before I'm like, oh, how many red flags can I collect and not pay attention to? <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, like my relationships were always, especially through my 20s, they were explosive. They were codependent. They lacked boundaries because of that codependency. There was one where I was verbally abused, one where I was emotionally abused, one where I was sexually cheated on, and then again, emotionally terrorized 
through an alcoholic relationship with someone who's an alcoholic. And that all finally kind of came to a head in my mid-30s is when I finally was like, I can't do this anymore. Something has to change. And I went on a very deep internal journey of just not really dating too many people and really focusing on myself first before I could actually make better choices. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, when, when you're talking about that, I was thinking, gosh, if I, if you're asking me that question, <laughs> I would be like, Oh, geez. Yeah. I don't even know. I have to, I'd have to go back and undust those memories. Ugh. But let's talk about ayahuasca and plant medicine. Ooh, because, yes. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> because Nicole, I've never done that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I interviewed out of 190 episodes, you know, a lot of them, that's part of their journey. That's part of your opening, the discovery of their, you know, their soul. And I know that really opened you up and you really talk highly about that. Like you think that's like the, like that was your, one of those moments that changed your everything. Oh, it did. It did. And you know, I will say that I've been on this healing journey since I was 20 and I'm now 46. And so 26 years of deep diving. So I was, it wasn't until my, after my 25 years of personal healing that I actually tried plant medicine. And I think it's important for anyone when they're going to even like go into that space is to understand that you're going to be met with a level of consciousness that you approach that plant medicine with. So doing a lot of your own deeper healing work can be very beneficial to what kind of experience you might have. The plant medicine gets you out of your own way so that you can see the things that you need to see so that the things that need to be revealed to you can be revealed. And so for me, I had been doing all this work and I had made great progress, but I also was curious. I I had been wanting to do ayahuasca since 2007 or 8. And my first time doing it was 2022, so last year. Oh, okay. And my first experience with it was physically torturous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I hear and that scares me. I'm like throwing up and hearing everybody. Yeah. What what did it see? Did it find you or did you find it? It usually finds you. you. I, it was calling me, had been calling me and been calling me. And I was like, I know that when it's ready, I'm going to be ready, you know? And, and finally it hit that point. Like it's time to do it. It's time to do it. I'm ready. And, um, I like you, I used to pray to God when I was a child. I would sit there like rocking back and forth, like praying to God, please, I'll do anything you ask me to do if you can prevent me from like throwing up. Like I'll do anything. You know, I just hated it. I'm so sensitive to, I can't hear people. I can't smell it. Like I'm just, Mm. so I was really like worried about that. I was like, I got to do everything that I can. Again, me coming in to control the experience. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I follow the dieta, which is this food so that you make sure that your body's prepared for it. So, you know, and I'm, I've done all like this great healing work for sure. I'm going to be safe. No. What you have to understand is when it comes to Mother Ayahuasca, you do not get to choose how she's going to interact with you or how she won't. And you don't get to choose what she's going to show you and what she's not. And so for that particular one, there wasn't the way that Ayahuasca was brewed my first time wasn't with a lot of the DMT producing ingredient. It was more about the purge. And so I didn't really get any visions on my first one. I was actually really disappointed in from that perspective. However, I did get what I needed. And the purge was so 
visceral. And it was from both ends, okay? (laughs) Not at the same time. Like, it's not like you're out of control. Here's the thing that can happen. I don't know if a lot of people know this. When you are asking to clear your heart, and this will likely be the case for anyone who's a healer, for anyone who's used to taking care of others before they take care of themselves. My intention with ayahuasca was to clear my heart so I could love deeper. And clear my heart, she did. (laughs) I literally purged an entire heart. When I was vomiting into the bucket in the jungle, I felt it all blackness coming out of my heart. Hmm. And when it was on the toilet, it felt like it was another heart because we actually have a heart in our gut as well, like an energetic heart, so to speak. And when we clear out this area where we've taken on everyone's crap, so to speak, right? A lot of us don't know how to release it. And so we accumulate all this stuff. I had to purge not just my own stuff, but everyone else's stuff that I had taken on, which a lot of empaths will do. And so I asked to clear my heart and my heart was cleared. I was very emotional after. I felt very vulnerable, but I also felt very connected to just even strangers after. And everything started to shift in my dating after that too. I actually had way better dating experiences and started to form relationships that were brand new to me and opening me up in new ways. I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So that was like my first experience with ayahuasca. But shortly after that, I did a psilocybin journey and that I got all the visions and that was wild. That was absolutely wild for me because I literally saw my DNA changing. I saw the mushrooms going in and reworking the DNA. I saw the ancestors of my DNA, their faces in the strands. And Mm. it was just like all of the women of my ancient like line. And I'm not just talking like just a couple of generations back. I'm talking down to the Mayans. I'm talking down to Egyptian. Like it was just everything was in there and um really kind of clearing my path for what my dreams were holding so that I could attain them. But um I would say my most powerful journey with, was with ayahuasca earlier this year in um, just a few months ago where I got to, I went through a wormhole. It was this tunnel of light just coming at me and different ancient symbols like hieroglyphs and cuneiform and like Sumerian, like ancient scripts and light language symbols and all this stuff just blowing past me, like at the speed of light. Like, and I just felt like I was in this vortex go, I don't know where I was going, But then where I ended up was this really interesting AI reality. And I saw this, um, I was in this building and I could see, I was looking down and I could see a conveyor belt coming out of a wall. And on the conveyor belt out of the wall comes this rectangular plexiglass type thing. And, but inside the plexiglass was a side profile of me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right. And then I see this conveyor belt slide down with this plexiglass and then it gets scanned. I see it go through a scanner and I'm getting scanned. And I thought, why am I getting scanned right now? And the next thing I hear is I hear a voice and I hear, Nicole, we don't have much time. We've been waiting 
for this moment because we knew through your ayahuasca journey, we would, you would enter into a slipstream that we could then pull you out of the matrix and remind you why you're there. And so oh I gosh. end up talking to this woman who I know, I recognize, but I don't know how I recognize her. I just know I love her so much, almost mm-hmm. like family, like a friend, like just a sister almost. And she's reminding telepathy, right? You're yes, it's all telepathic. It's yeah. all telepathic. And she's telling me, just reminding me, like, just remind yourself that you went into this life with these specific programs to do the work that you're doing. And she's like, and you're doing a great job. You're on track. And I'm like, okay. She goes, so you agreed to these programs. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so then the next thing I know, she's let me go and I enter into this vault. And it's the vault of all of my programs. And I'm like, huh? Okay. So I'm sitting there by myself, left to my own devices. And Mm -hmm. I start thinking to myself, well, if I'm outside of the program and this is the vault of all my programs, then certainly I can start uninstalling the ones I don't want and start installing the ones I do want. So I'm like, okay. So I just start, I want to pull this program in my mind. I'm like, okay, this program that I know I've had and I've seen it play out in my reality over and over, that one, I want to pull that one. And I want to pull this one. And I want to pull that one. Okay, now let's install this one instead. And let's install that one instead. And I it was literally like pulling out like, I don't know, it was almost like I was pulling out eight tracks or something. Like it was really yeah. wild. And so that was really cool. And so then, you know, the journey continues. I'm just in this high blissful state and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I broke the fourth wall. There's literally a fourth wall. And so when I come out of my journey, I'm like, well, there's only one way I'm ever going to find out if it actually was true and will work is if my actual reality starts changing and I see it through the new programs. And sure enough, within just a couple of weeks, certain changes started to happen that I never anticipated. Like what? Tell me. I want to know that. And I also want to know (laughs) the guys that you were attracting after that whole thing. I want to hear a couple stories. Okay. How do I say this without revealing too much? There was someone in my life that I felt like they didn't want me. And I didn't, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to re-engage a relationship with this person, but I was like, well, what? why live in a reality where they don't want me? Why not live in a reality where they do want me? And then I can choose if I want that or yeah, not, you know, right? right? Like, uh, and so sure enough, within a couple of weeks after no contact for years, <laughs> oh my gosh, person reaches out. And since then, we've been developing a great friendship. And going deeper. And it's just like this. I was like, Oh, wow. Like, this is so cool. I never would see that coming. And then there was uh, another program that I uninstalled was the struggling entrepreneur. And I was like, I don't want to be like this. I know that there's so much more and I know like what I'm totally capable of. And I'm just like, I just don't want to have to be that struggling entrepreneur thing. And so I pulled that program and installed like me as a CEO running a company with a team. And the reason why this is so important is because I ran a program my whole life. The reason why I had the struggling entrepreneur program was one, that's how I saw my dad, you know, like that's how he operated. But also I was like, I do everything on my own. No one helps me. I do everything on my own. So how could I ever build a team? How could I ever have others working with me or for me if I 
believe that I can only do it on my own. And so I saw that I installed the program of me being the CEO of a company with a fantastic supportive team working with me for me, great collaborators, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that has already come to fruition as well. And that's already Mm -hmm. shifting. And so I just hosted a retreat here in Colorado and I brought in a team to help me and they facilitated and it was the most incredible experience and made the retreat so much better than I could have ever had on my own. And so it was just seeing my business grow just in a short period of time and also seeing the results of that. And then also breaking the, this belief system that I have to do it alone. It's like, oh, wow. And so those were just a couple of the programs that I installed. The, the one I'm waiting for is the mother. I want a family. So we'll see. I have a feeling that's coming real soon. <laughs> you do? I do. Yeah. Yes. With yeah. this new guy, the one that... Uh, I don't know. Her. I don't know if it's... I don't know if there, it's the new guy. I'm not allowing myself to attach to any specific person, just the energy of a supportive husband and father. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about your dad struggling entrepreneur, I mean, we have, I am like, is she my like soul sister? <laughs> like, everything you talk about, like I used to everything on my own. I need to go into that program and do my own reprogramming because you just really, I relate so much to you. Here's yeah. why this worked and developed in real time really quickly. Like it started to show results of it really quickly. It wasn't like years down the road. This We're talking weeks. I started to see results. The reason why plant medicine is so powerful is because it takes us to a place where one, we get out of our own way, but we also are in a state where the reality that we're experiencing feels so real and it's so visceral. You really feel it on so many levels because you surrender to the medicine, you can feel it all and you believe so much of what's happening there that your brain and your entire neural path, like nervous system starts laying down new neural pathways and they Mm -hmm. don't just start to lay them down. They start to lay them down and embed them because whenever you feel something so deeply, you start to not only rewire, but you create a new neural pathway that goes deeply into um, the system. And so, for instance, this is why when you have a traumatic experience, why it quickly shapes your reality and forms new beliefs is because viscerally you felt it so intensely. And so when you are in these journeys, you can have that opportunity to actually rewire yourself and create a deeper embedded rewiring so that you fall into those neural pathways a lot more easily as opposed to them being really shallow and you slipping out of them, you actually fall into them really deeply. And so that's one of the reasons why I think it works so well. But to that point, you don't need to do plant medicine to have that effect. You can create that. So one of the reasons, like when I did the retreat with everyone, I took them on a journey with no plant medicine uh, first in the morning using this meditation that I created. And I, because I have such a, um, a strong visual gift of, of imagination and really tapping into all of the senses to make it really real. I took people in and made sure that every sense that they had was activated and felt so that when they were in this meditation, they truly felt like it was happening to them. 
And every single person had a very emotional and visceral response in that meditation of things coming through that they hadn't expected. And so when you are working on your own, you can do this yourself by really allowing yourself to smell any sense, to touch anything around in your reality when you're in your meditation or you're imagining something. Bring in all the feelings, feel everything really deeply. You know, like use every sense that you have and that is what can help rewire your new neural pathways. Oh, I love that. When I was looking at the pictures of your retreat in Colorado and reading about it, I was like, oh gosh, that would have, that called me, you know, now even now knowing you more, Mm -hmm. like I see the magic in that. Amazing. And I love that it, it was like, when you think of the, all the limiting thinking and the beliefs that we've created our whole life and you can go in that place and really rewire it with the plant medicine or without and realize how powerful we are, Mm -hmm. you know, without, you know, and it's, you know, I do that with my clients. It's like, I get so much satisfaction when I see that light bulb hit, you know, like, oh, really? I mean, I work with a lot of teenagers and parents. Yes, I saw that. That's so incredible. I love that so much. So starting young, like I did with my girls, you know, programming them, not knowing if it's going to work, not knowing if they're getting it. And then, you know, we get to high school and we're like, oh, it worked. Like, oh, because you don't know as a parent, as a mom, like you know, you're doing all the work, showing, you know, being the model first, you know, they do what you do, not what you say, but doing like laying down all the little things that I think are important. And then they get to this age. I didn't know that. But then I'm like, oh, they know they're better values. They have their worth. They know their how to be grateful and all the things that I feel as a mom, as a, if, if I had that, you know, like knowing that we fulfill our passion is what, you know, we were lacking and what we see now as so important. And that's kind of what, where that evolved. So I want to go, cause I always love to ask and like where the world is going to you. Like, I know you've had an encounter with like you galactic, you talk the ETs you've had where you're at your parents' house and you went down to the water cooler and you looked outside oh, yeah. and it like talked to you and you went out and had this, an orb. But can you go into kind of like that, those dimensions a little bit? Cause I like, oh my gosh, Nicole has so many things I would love to talk to her about. <laughs> so let's end, let's end on that. And then we'll share where everyone can find you and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, so do you mean like, where do I see the world going yeah. right now or yeah, 2023, like 20, I know you talked about 2020 and, you know, we all had to, you know, the reason that it was all working for a reason. And, and then we are now three years, almost four crazy to think that it's been four years. <laughs> I know. Yeah, where, where do you see everything? I actually see really good things. Now I want to see caveat that. (laughs) With good things also come a lot of upheaval because good things means change. And so when I say I see good things, I don't want people to think I see a utopia, but I really like where the world is going. And I know that's not what most people would say, but I really am seeing huge shifts. I'm seeing, and part of this is because I'm going to say that I believe plant medicine is playing a big role in helping to open up the levels of consciousness of humanity. Because so many people are 
unaware of really uh, all the different realities around us, all of the things beyond this planet, what actually exists, what we're actually capable of in this meat suit and beyond. I think that when you, the beautiful thing about plants medicine is that it opens your mind to all that's really around. So for instance, I just did a, a, a my own psilocybin journey a week or two ago. And it was the first time where with my physical eyes, I could see in the field around me, all of these, this information and just mm-hmm. sitting there encoding my field, like different symbols and all that kind of stuff. And people are going to be opening up more and more to this as we continue on. In last, was it earlier this year? When did Jupiter um, conjunct Neptune? I believe it was just last year or like late last year. It's just within the last year or so. And Jupiter, the reason why I say this is because Neptune is in Pisces and Pisces represents the 12th house. And this is kind of like what I do with my coaching program is I really talk a lot about the 12th house because it's the house of self-undoing. It's also the house of self-transcendence. And it's where the inner child is lies, it's where our fears, our shames, our guilts lie. It's also the house of plant medicine and psychedelics. And so when Neptune became conjunct with Jupiter, it started a new 12-year cycle. And this opened up what I, the message that I got around this is that psychedelics and plant medicine are going to become a mainstay in our in our communities, in mainstream, they're going to be going mainstream. And because of this, people are going to be opening up their minds in new ways. So for instance, I was at a a networking event with um, VCs, investors, um, wealth management people, and all of them, as soon as I started talking about plant medicine, it's like, it's like I just open the door to Christmas for them. You know, it's like, uh-huh. and all of them started having these deeper spiritual conversations with me uh-huh. about how they really wanted to learn more about themselves and how they're really wanting to explore the healing path and who am I? And I, all these more existential questions. And I'm like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this. And so the thing is, is I think deep down, it's kind of a secret club, but the funny thing is, is that everyone's almost in the secret club of <laughs> wanting to really explore, whether it's through plant medicine or not, really starting to ask themselves, what is this life for me? Who am I really? And what, what am I going to do that makes my life more meaningful? That mm-hmm. I feel actually purpose in what I'm doing. And I really see that opening up for people. And I think we're going to see over the next 10 years or so, 11 years, this is really going to unfold at faster rates. And so I believe that people are even just talking, like I'm going to be doing another ayahuasca journey in a month from now, and I'm bringing someone with me. It's going to be his first time. And he's also in this world of wealth management and on all of that. And He's let me know that a lot of his friends who are in sports and, you know, all these different arenas that they're all interested in this and like everyone's kind of talking about it and they're just kind of wondering. And so again, it's not for everyone, but the path of opening up oneself to healing, there's so many different avenues. And I think what's beautiful about the plant medicine is that I think it's going to help people not just get out of their own ways, 
but make the breakthroughs that they need to make in order to touch the essence of that knowing like I did in that meditation back when I was 31, getting that taste of who I really was at the eternal level of my own soul and knowing just because that has been the thing that stays with me forever. Once I tasted it, I know now where I'm going. I know what I'm capable of. And so I feel like plant medicine will allow people to have those short breakthroughs, but potent enough that they get a taste of what it is that they've been seeking or looking for or remembering, I should even say, remembering within themselves. And then their journey unfolds on how to really bring that in and integrate it on a daily basis. Oh, I love it. That's so, you know, when I think of you and even going on another ayahuasca journey, <laughs> so close together. Yeah. It might be my last one for a long time. I'm feeling like it's interesting because I feel like I'm really called to do this one, but I also am feeling like this might be my last one for a while. Why? Um, just, I just feel it because I don't know if I'm going to really need it after that. Like I feel like I'm going to get what I need to from the plant and I, don't ever want to abuse something. I really, there's a sacredness to it. And um, the the truth of the matter is, is that the ayahuasca vine is not growing fast enough or being cared for enough to be able to support this entire world at the rate wow. it's being used. And so for me, I don't need to use it more than I know I need it. And then let others have their share. It's kind of like how I see it, you know, and it's it's just the truth of the matter. Now, mushrooms, on the other hand, those just grow like wildflowers. Oh, funny. Yeah. And you do that by yourself, like at home when you said you did the The mushrooms I do now. Yes. First, I had someone guide me when I first did it. But the truth of the matter is, is that because I've been doing this healing journey so long, that I trust myself and I can, I know how to surrender and I know exactly where to go in my journey. I know how to guide it myself that with mushrooms specifically, I'm okay on my own. Now, ayahuasca, absolutely not. You need a shaman. You, you need to, and you need a good shaman, not just any shaman. You really want to do your work and your research on who you're with because there are, you're opening up to the spirit world and you need to know that there, you have the right shaman who knows how to help you through that. Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I've always been told that for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. One really quick question before mm-hmm. we, I want to know, cause you want to be a mother. Yeah. How are you encompassing? How are you manifesting? What do you do in your practice that is bringing that to you? So, and this is how I know because I've already seen the visions of where my business is going to be going as a result of me opening up to motherhood. I've had a really long journey with fertility. Um, mm-hmm. as you, yeah. And, um, in one of my mushroom journeys, I was taken back into the ancient times of Egypt and I was found myself in a fertility temple with other women. And the fertility temple was a place that you went to before you got pregnant, before you conceived. And in these temples, because I also had a lot of kundalini awakenings um, through these mushroom journeys, and I can just tap into the energy now like that, I was going through this. I had tapped into, and I, and I have a course on this actually that I help women, not just women, women and men, but to how to really activate your womb space mm-hmm. to bring about, to not just bring about this energy, but to clear the energy of shame, guilt, all the things that kind of 
hold that space back. And I started singing a song in my journey. Like actually it was coming out of my, my mouth and I saw the sound frequencies leaving my mouth and traveling up through the temple and a portal had opened through the Kundalini activation of all the women, me and the women in there. Wow. And this stream of sound energy went out into the cosmos and it found my son. Oh, wow. My son heard it. And I keep seeing a boy, you know, and I'll never know for sure if he's going to come through or not, but he followed the sound towards me. And that's how he found me and was able to connect with me. Oh well, as soon as he connects in right behind him, I see a girl standing there and she follows with him. And I have this sense that twins could be a possibility. I know that especially as you get older, that increases, that likelihood increases. Or I don't know if she's planning on coming in after. I don't know um, exactly how it's all going to work. I can't even pretend to know. I'm not even going to try to control that. Right? But oh. so what I was, was shown was that in the ancient times of these Egyptian times, these temples, these women would go and hold these fertility ceremonies of preconception so that the soul, you were already connected to the energy of the soul so that when you actually go to conceive with your partner, the child is already connected and finds its way in. And so it was really beautiful. And I've actually was shown that I'm going to be working with other musicians and be holding these fertility ceremonies on stage for women who want to get pregnant and and take women back to the ancient remembrance of these ceremonies and how powerful they can be. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad I asked you that. (laughs) (laughs) So So, yeah, totally simple, you know, just totally like every day. (laughs) But that's just one way that I've been doing it. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Amazing. Oh, Nicole, it's been so fun to meet you. (laughs) Tell everyone how to find you, what you're doing, your your courses online, in person. Yeah, you can find me at my website is NicoleFrolic.com. And I have a bunch of different courses there in my academy. The Womb of Activation one I was talking about is there. I also have an inner child course where I take you through the seven chakras of healing. And then I'm also actually getting ready to announce the next retreat. Um, I've got the dates locked in. I'm just um, getting ready to finalize everything and um, announce that really soon. And that will be in April next year. Okay. So I've got that retreat coming up. And then, yeah, I've got my podcast, Enlighten Up. And also anything else you need to find, you know, I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Those are my three social media platforms. Oh, it's been so fun to get to know you and learn your story. And I've learned so much from you and get excited to see what next is because I feel connected to you. So it's like a fun connection. I know. I love your energy. It's just, it's so, you know what I love about it? It feels really calm and safe. Oh, good. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, it's really, it's really nice. You, It's very inviting. So thank you. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, 
comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.